Life Audio. Hello, and welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast with Trisha and Michelle. We're just two friends reading through the Bible chronologically and encouraging you to do the same. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Daily Bible Podcast, or go to our website, dailybiblepodcast.net. We are going through the one-year chronological Bible, and we will have links for that in our show notes and also at our website. And we have a community group. Just go to Facebook and look for Daily Bible Podcast under Facebook Groups. And also, uh, you know, if you are listening on the Apple platform or some other audio platform, just take a second and rate us. Give us, Mm -hmm. I don't know, one to five stars. We like the five stars, but be honest. Um, And then also (laughs) take a chance, take a moment to uh, leave us a comment because that just helps push us out. Uh, to other people who might not be familiar with uh, Daily Bible Podcast or with Trisha or myself. And it just gets the word out so that we can encourage more people and hopefully see our community grow a little bit more. But um, so please do that. Go and rate us or give us some stars. Okay, so today we are reading 1 Kings 8 verses 1 through 11. Then we march over to Second Chronicles 5, then back to 1 Kings 8. We're going to finish out the chapter with verse 12 through 20, 21, and then Second Chronicles 6, 1 through 11. And then I guess we didn't finish out first the chapter 8 of 1 Kings because we're finishing it out now with verses 22 through 53, then over to Second Chronicles 6, 12 through 42. Good stuff there. Now, we've been on a journey of God's chosen people for a long Mm. time. And so just to put everything in context. So remember, it was 480 years, but then they just built the temple and the the palace complex. So now it's about 500 years have passed. Mm -hmm. And so now Solomon summons to Jerusalem all the elders of Israel. There were 12 generations from Exodus to the building of the temple. That's pretty cool to know. And when the work in the temple is finished, Solomon brought all the gifts that his father David had dedicated, that silver, that gold, and the articles. And this happened at the time of the Festival of Shelters. Now, we may remember that the Festival of Shelters was known as the Feast of the Tabernacle, and it's a Jewish holiday that's celebrated in the fall. And it's one of those three pilgrimage festivals that lasted for seven days. So during the festival, Jews built temporary shelters called sukkahs, and they dwelt in them to commemorate mm. the time when the Israelites lived in tents during their 40-year journey in the wilderness. Mm. That's so and, cool. Yeah, they just like it's camping time, I guess. It's in the uh-huh. fall, and we're going to go camp in our shelters. <laughs> and I love that it's that reminder of God's protection and provision for his people throughout history. And so finally, after 12 generations... God has a resting place among them. And when the priest came out of this holy place after the temple was dedicated, it says a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. And that just reminds me of the tabernacle when that thick cloud mm-hmm. came down. And it says, as the priests left the holy place, the musicians started playing. And it says, all the Levites who were musicians, Asaph and Heman and 
Jeduthun and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. And they were accompanied by a hundred and twenty priests sounding trumpets. That's, that would be so cool. And it says in Second, Second Chronicles 5.12, and they sang, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Mm-hmm. And then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. And it says, I love this part. He lifted his hands toward uh, heaven and he prayed. And I just love the significance of what God did through the generations. Um, remember in, in first Kings eight, 52 through 53, it says, may your eyes be open to my requests and the requests of your people, Israel. So he's praying to God. Mm-hmm. May you hear and answer them whenever they cry to you. For when you brought our ancestors out of Egypt, O sovereign Lord, you told your servant Moses that you had set Israel apart from all the nations of the earth to be your own special possession. And then it says, after this, finally, we have leaders, you know, who are making God the center of it all. We have a king who more than anyone else in Israel's history is humble before God. And it says, may you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live, and when you hear, forgive. And it's so cool that everyone's humbling themselves. There's worship, there's music, there's that the Lord's presence in that cloud was so thick that it just like stopped them in their tracks. And it was like, we've been waiting 500 years, Michelle, for this moment, for all this to come together. You know, today was such a beautiful read. Like you said, we've been waiting 500 years. It doesn't seem like 500 years. It only seems like a few days over 100 or a few days over 120. I don't know however long we've been reading right now. <laughs> but but it was that it, there was there was anticipation for mm-hmm. this moment. And it was building and building and building. And all of a sudden, boom, here it is. I mean, it was an exciting time. And I felt like through... Through our reading today, I got to know Solomon a little bit better through his prayer of dedication. He knows God. Mm-hmm. He's been schooled and he's been taught. You can tell. And and we don't know his education. We don't know his formal education. We we know he's the wisest man in, you know, in all the earth, but we don't know his education. But I mean, stop and think about it. Because I, I spent some time in this. David was surrounded with good men and women. I mean, and David knew God and David knew history. We, we see that as we, we read through first and second Samuel and through the Psalms and through Chronicles. We saw that he knew history. He knew what had happened. He also knew God and he himself, David, was a very wise man, but the thing he is most known for is being a man after God's own heart. So we have to assume that David and Bathsheba schooled their son well. They taught him well. And when God promised David that the Messiah would come through David's line, you know, David didn't leave the training of the future king of this line to chance. You know that David, he took some responsibility in this Mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. probably sat down with Solomon and not that he sat down when Solomon was young and said, Hey, this is what's going to happen. But you know, he had to have sat down with his sons and spend some time. And we see that Solomon knows the human heart really well because he says in his prayer to God, who has never sinned. 
And that was in first, first Kings eight, verse 36, and also second Chronicles six, 36. And, um, it says in second Chronicles, um, six, 26, it says, if they sin against you and who has never sinned, you might become angry with them and let their enemies conquer them and take them captive for a, to a foreign land far away or, or near. I mean, does does this sound like other passages in the Bible? Let's say, mm-hmm. I don't know, Solomon's father in he in, in Psalm 14, 3, he says, but no, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Mm-hmm. Solomon learned from his dad. He learned from his dad. And then just as I was um, sitting there thinking through those two verses, a New Testament verse, not written by either of these men, but you know, these men still had, I mean, they still had, there was still some, some educational ramifications yeah. from these men that carried on into the New Testament. And in Romans 3.23, it says, for all, for everyone has sinned, we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Uh, you know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I, I just love that these two men continue to teach us. I mean, continue to just share, I don't know, just the riches and wealth of our heavenly father. And so I really walked away today going, I really like Solomon's heart. I like who he was. And what I love about it is that just shows that humility. Like we've all sinned. Like he's not saying, look at it, how amazing I am. And isn't this awesome? But yeah. God's presence entered the place. He had prepared it for God's presence and knowing that we have sinned. Like we don't deserve this, but God was there with them because they admitted their sin and they wanted God's presence to be there and they were worshiping God and they were playing, you know, sounding trumpets and playing instruments and singing mm-hmm. praises. And it was like they had, like you said, prepared and now God's presence was there. And we have all sinned and yet we all have access to forgiveness by believing in the Lord Jesus, which I just love. Like we all have the same access that they had. We don't have the temple that we're walking into, but we have Jesus that we can turn to and say, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. And we cannot leave this section, I think, without mention that we are in it too. Like, Solomon mentions mm-hmm. us, Michelle. He mentions you and I and all mm-hmm. the listeners. Um, those who are not Jews are mentioned. So it says in Second Chronicles 6, 32 through 33, it says, In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you. They will come from distant lands when they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what we ask of you. In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you, just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. And that's so cool that through the Holy Spirit, Solomon knew that the temple of the Lord wasn't just for Jews, but for all people. And I think that's pretty amazing because for so long, it's my people, Israel, my people, Israel. And it must have been, I mean, the Holy Spirit in Solomon to say, no, this is for all people. And Mm -hmm. that's from all people through all generations. That means us. Like that moment was for us too. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, we need to take a break. And we need to hear from our sponsor, then we'll be back with the word of the day. Stay tuned. Okay, so the word of the day today is knelt. 
and knelt was something that Solomon did when he Mm -hmm. knelt before God and he raised his hands. And I just, as I was seeing this sort of play out in my head, I was just like, oh, this would be such a cool moment. Well, to um, knelt is to position the body so that one or both knees rest on the floor. And I think most everybody can understand that. But here's what the Encyclopedia Britannica says about, about kneeling or about knelt in the ancient world. Gestures and bodily movements play an important part in religious ritual and in religious conduct. Such behavior derives its meaning from its relationship to the holy. And again, remember, this is the Encyclopedia Britannica, Mm -hmm. and they're talking about relationship to the holy. They go on to say, in proceeding to and from a holy place, a worshiper generally proceeds according to a certain symbolic patterns. And so this could be rectilineal, circular, or vertical. Rectilineal movement to and from a holy place is intended to gradually prepare the worshiper for the spatial encounter with the holy, and after the encounter to remove him from the sacred sphere. There is a sense that kneeling was understanding of who you were kneeling before, and that the person or the one the holy who you were kneeling for was great and you were submitting to their authority. And so this really, again, has this, this meaning of humility behind it that we've come to think of when we think of kneel, mm-hmm. but there was an act behind it of pre- preparing your heart. There was something that they felt was happening as they were kneeling. And um, and of course, we know that kneeling and um, really is is about humility and is about about reflecting just some great great respect. In Psalm ninety five, David wrote, "Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord." our God, our maker. And in First Chronicles 29, we see David doing this, leading by example. He said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and knelt before the Lord, their king. And then um, in Luke, in we turn over to the New Testament, we see, see some more kneeling as, as Jesus um, turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me to wash my feet, to wash the dust from my feet away, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. So there was our, our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He knew that there was so much power in kneeling and his own disciple didn't kneel before him, but there was some woman who came before him and knelt. And of course, we're going to learn more about her in later days, probably in several months. But then we move over to Philippians 2, 10. In the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And of course, we know that while Solomon didn't know who Christ was, he knew he was in the line of the Messiah. He knew how great God was, and that is why he knelt there in the dedication and um, and just give, pouring out his heart of thankfulness to God. Yeah, and I, I love that we can see 
David's heart for God passed down. You know, if I make like a really nice dinner, I'm like, guys, look at this. Isn't this great? Like, doesn't this taste amazing? Like, I did this. Like, it's not just food. That's just a meal. <laughs> um, but they had this temple and he could have, like Solomon could have been like, this is amazing. My dad wanted to do it, but he couldn't. But look what I did. But no, we see again, he stood before the people. He offered the prayer of dedication. He knelt at the altar and Solomon recognized the greatness of God and his own smallness in comparison. And that moment of humility or kneeling before God can serve as a reminder for us to keep our own egos in check and to acknowledge the sovereignty of, sovereignty of God in our lives. And it can be easy to get caught up in our own accomplishments and to think too highly of ourselves. Um, but I think like King Solomon's examples, we can strive to maintain a humble perspective and give all the credit and glory to God because really nothing we can do. The fact that you and I are like talking right now and using technology and able to put two thoughts together about this, Michelle, is all because God enabled us to do this. So, and also maybe think of like humble people have a heart of compassion. In his mm-hmm. prayer of dedication, Solomon asked for God's mercy and compassion on his people. And so maybe think like we need to ask for that heart of compassion to be a source of grace and mercy. Because when we're humble and we're not thinking too highly of ourselves, we're thinking of other people. And then humble people also recognize that all that they have is a gift from God. In this moment of success, um, King Solomon was humble and that he realized that everything he had was from God. And so I think that's good for us to do, do too, just to keep humble about all that we have, remembering like this is only ours because God gave it to us. And then humble people are clothed in salvation and rejoice in God's goodness. And in Second Chronicles 641, it says, And now arise, O Lord our God, and enter your resting place, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation, and may your loyal servants rejoice in your goodness. And I just love that, that even here, they're seeing this clothed with salvation. I don't even think that an idea of Jesus and what was to come. But in that moment, they saw that God was clothing them with salvation. He had saved them. He'd given them this temple. He'd given them himself. And then later in the New Testament, we will see when you mentioned every knee shall bow, we will see that clothed in salvation involves Jesus. But even here, I love that those words are there for us to read. Well, and just as you're talking about humble people, I'm thinking about that woman who used her hair and mm-hmm. her tears mm-hmm. to to clean Jesus's feet. She knew she was not worthy and none of us are worthy. But what she did know is that he was the Christ and he was the Messiah. He was the one who came from David's line uh, through Solomon. He was the one who would one day just free the entire mm-hmm. world. And there is, when we know that, when we have truly pondered that and truly taken capture of that in our minds and our hearts, actually, we know it's God who's taking capture of our minds and our hearts. But when we really know that, there is a humbleness because we know we're not worthy. I was reminded mm-hmm. that this morning, um, I was talking with a family member, and he was like, None of us are worthy to enter heaven. It's only by God's great grace. Yeah. And so there is a reason why Solomon kneeled. There's a reason why others have kneeled. And that's because they realized 
hopefully what we realize, and that is they weren't worthy. Mm-hmm. They weren't worthy. Yeah. Michelle, would you take a minute and pray for us as we talk about how Solomon knelt that we may do the same? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you how it pierces our hearts and it divides truth from not truth in that um through reading your word, we are becoming wiser. We are learning more about you. Um, and as we've prayed before, I just pray that that we see you high and lifted up. We see you bigger today than you were yesterday. And Father, I just pray for humble hearts for all of us. I pray for hearts of humility. I pray that we would kneel and that we would see you as our Lord and our God, our Master, our King, our Supreme Lord, our Almighty God. Father, may you reign in our hearts, and may we see you high and lifted up. We thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are sending you off with some daily encouragement to get into the Word and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Again, if you don't have the one-year chronological Bible that we are using, we have links to that Bible in our show notes, and you can even find it in the Kindle format. Also in the show notes is a monthly and yearly schedule of the Bible reading plan that we are following. Uh, tomorrow, we are reading 1 Kings 8. Oh, I guess we're finally finishing off the chapter. I jumped earlier and said, oh, we're finishing off the chapter. Well, no, <laughs> we're not. Finally, we I are. Lied. And there's more. <laughs> and so 1 Kings 8, verses 54 through 66, we are reading Second Chronicles 7, and the first 10 verses, 1 through 10, then 1 Kings 9, verses 1 through 9, and then 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 22, verses 11 through 22, and 1 Kings 9, verses 10 through 14. And I want to take a second here to thank the team at Live Audio. You wouldn't be listening to Daily Bible Podcasts without their partnership. They believe in you, they believe in Trisha and myself, and they most ultimately believe in God. So they've developed this amazing platform with a lot of other great podcasts that are going to encourage you and going to strengthen you in your walk with God. They got shows on prayer, Bible study, parenting, and so much more. Go to lifeaudio.com and check them out. And we will see you here tomorrow. Bye-bye.